Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. That's that. It's time to go, man. It's time to roll. It's old man squad time on Fantasy NBA Today. Big show Friday, October the 20th, four days from the start of the opening. Start of the opening. The opening of the start. The beginning of the NBA season. I want an address to the nines today, so you guys got the Save by the Bell throwback t-shirt. Cal Bears hat. Same stupid draft board behind me. And an exciting day indeed. Quick preface on today's show. The Old Man Squad is not a list of sleepers. It's not that common of a misconception. It is a very uncommon misconception, but it is one nonetheless. These are not sleepers. These are the players ranked basically like 0 through 120 or so that I simply think are going too late in drafts for some variety of reasons, combination of them or just one very obvious one. They are separated into chunks so to speak the borings the guys that kind of originally made up the Dan Vespers old man squad the boring players who are falling because they are somehow boring they are the totals monsters six players that I deem not monsters on the per game side but likely to elevate your team by plowing through a solid season of basketball the Games Cap Darlings, these are the players that you play in Games Cap formats. Typically, that is a Roto, but as you heard from Josh a couple days ago on this show, he is uh, running a head-to-head league with Weekly Games Cap. And then there is one, one player that I've decided is my single, not-so-boring swing of the year. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. You can find me on social media at Dan Vespers, and I really would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to do so. The season now four days away. We have so many things that we can only do with the speed of social media. I can't get out and do a show every time a little piece of news breaks, but I can break it down on Twitter. So find me over there if you haven't already, especially for those of you that are finding me for the first time via the podcast or YouTube I encourage you to sort of loop in the social side, make it one big bucket altogether. Also, Brewski 150 remains on sale at Sports Ethos, just $6 a month for the Fantasy Pass, gets you the B150 projections, our all-new draft tracker tool, which I actually used in a real draft for the first time yesterday, and it was amazing. Go check that out at sportsethos.com. So now you understand what the old man squad is. It's not sleepers. It's players that I think are falling. I have given my per game and totals ranks on them. Those of you that are watching with us on YouTube live or after the fact, you'll actually get to see the names. Don't worry, pod listeners. I love you guys. You guys are my ride or dies. I will be reading all of the names and all of the numbers as well. Let's get going. The Old Man Squad 2023-2024. This is the list of the incredibly boring per-game winners. There is, by the way, just a quick sneak preview, three more names on the second page. I couldn't fit them all on one page of Microsoft Word because we have like 35 names to get through today, so we got to dive in quick. To that end, I'm not going to be doing three, four, five minutes on every one of these players. That would be a three-hour podcast. Nobody wants that. So we're going to try to do about one minute per player on the old man squad 
and that'll get us through this thing in about a 40 to 45 minute show. First name on the list, this is organized by Yahoo pre-rank right now, not ADP. Kyrie Irving, he's pre-ranked 14. I have his per-game mark at 9 and his totals mark at 11. The players at the top of the board do tend to be a bit more injury-prone. As you saw last year, the average number of games played for the uh, players ranked in the first round on a per-game side was in the mid to low 60s. So someone like Kyrie, who I expect to get into the mid to low 60s, will not lose that much on the total side against this per-game number. He's getting drafted now in the early to mid-second round. He's a first-rounder on a per-game side, and he has a turn value by totals. He is the first name on the board. And the thing that's hard about the top, and I again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but if you look at the first you know, three, maybe four names on this list, there isn't a whole lot of room for them to beat their ranking simply because there just aren't that many numbers in front of 14 that you can get to. I don't expect Kyrie Irving to be number five. And frankly, the guys in the first round, I generally expect to be pretty damn good. You guys have heard me on this show talk a lot about how I think that uh, someone like a Tyrese Halliburton, who's going at five or six or whatever it is right now, I think he's going to be a great first rounder, but I can't put him on the old man squad because what's the gain there? You get him at five, he finishes at five. Technically, that's a win. Because if your first-rounders don't lose to their draft slot, it's a win. But that's why I didn't put any first-rounders on this board. It's not because I don't like the first-rounders. It's because the ones that I do like, mainly, uh, obviously, Nikola Jokic, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I think Kevin Durant at the end of the first round is also a nice one. I like Dame. I like Jason Tatum. Like, I like all these guys. But there's nowhere for them to go, really. So I didn't put them on the list. I should have said that at the outset. Old Man Squad will not have any first-rounders. Second name on the board is Jaron Jackson Jr., who I realize is not an easy player to build a team around, but going late in the second round, where he is now with a pre-rank of 20 and typically going later than that, is a pretty damn easy number for him to get to. He was number 19 by totals last year, despite missing the first five weeks of the season with an injury. He finished at number 12 on a per-game basis, in only 28 and a half minutes per night on 19.7 boards and four combined defensive stats. No John Morant for 25 games. JJJ's going to have no choice but to do more this year than he did last year, at least for the first 25 and maybe be, maybe longer, which means even if the block number comes down off of three, he'll cover some of that with other stuff. I expect him to be a top 12 player per game again, and I expect to see the durability that we saw most of last year, after he came back from his season-opening injury, he gets to do that to start the season this time. I've got him as a late first-rounder by totals. The number I have on the board is eight. I will say again, numbers are a little bit hair-splitty here in terms of, like, what's the difference between calling JJJ the number eight player by totals and number nine? Not all that much. What you should take away from this is that I think he's a first-rounder on both per-game and totals, which makes him a guy I like drafting late in the second round. Jimmy Butler is the next name on the list. He's pre-ranked at 23. His per-game mark, I have him back at basically 11, which is pretty much where he was last year. He was 10. I have him moving down ever so slightly, not necessarily because I see Butler getting worse, but because I see one or two guys getting in front of him without his stats changing all that much. Someone like a Kawhi Leonard 
who will likely be better than Jimmy Butler per game over the entire season. I think there's a pretty decent shot that Jason Tatum can also get in front of him. JJJ even has a chance to get in front of him. I don't know that anybody that was in front of Butler last year falls behind him this season. So it's not that I see him necessarily getting worse on a per-game basis. I just see other guys getting a little bit better. So that puts him basically at the same spot. I think he plays in about the same number of games this year that he did last year, which was 64, maybe 65, 66. The Heat are going to need him mostly upright. So by totals, I have Butler in the first round as well. He, to me, no matter the format, I think is a layup at the end of the second round. I say that, and then I have to always sort of put the qualifier. No catastrophic injuries. Okay? No catastrophic injuries. If that happens to one of these guys, what are you going to do? Many of you are probably looking at the old man squad list and wondering where the hell Kawhi Leonard is. Don't worry. There's another section of the board for players like that. Miles Turner is the next name on this boring side. He is uh, going at number 34 on Yahoo boards right now. I have his per game rank at 22 which is a little bit behind where he was last year. He was in that 18 to 20 range most of the season. I think Indy got better around him, so I don't know that he has to do quite as much. But I love Miles Turner. He has the JJJ stat set, which is some points, some rebounds, some threes, a ton of defensive stats, doing it without hurting your percentages from that big man spot. The unicorn build is just such an easy one to get fantasy stats out of. Turner's always a little bit beat up, and as you get into the second, third round, you get into guys that play in more games per year. So if he plays in low 60s of games played, 63, 64, something like that, that probably does shade his totals a little bit lower. So I have those at 26, but that still puts him as a win in both numbers against his ADP. And what I tried to do with pretty much all of the guys on this boring list, the the, the sort of traditional part of the old man squad, is guys that I think beat their ADP both per game and totals. Nick Claxton at 50 is the next one. You'll notice I have a run of centers on my old man squad list. I think they're generally undervalued here because everybody's making a run at assists and scoring in the first few rounds, but there are other ways to win your fantasy league. And Claxton going at 50 is patently absurd. He was number 24 last year. Brooklyn might run a little bit smaller at times, but if they don't have him on the floor, they don't have any defense. So ultimately, they're going to need to get him out there. He did it last season playing just 30 minutes a night, so we don't really need a minute spike. And even if they drop by one, one and a half, I don't see that as a really big issue for him. But I did shade that into it. I think his per mark drops by about half a round. I've got him at 26 per game. He was very durable last year. I have no reason to believe he won't be again. I didn't go too aggressive on the durability with Claxton because remember last year uh Nick played in 76 ball games so even though he was number 24 on the per game side last season by totals he was actually one of the top ranked guys in the league at number 16 I didn't go that high this year I bumped his totals up by a little bit to number 25 but it could actually be better than that you could probably get him inside the top 20 if you get a little bit of a repeat performance Walker Kessler at number 53 is one of my favorite uh, center values on the board. Um, I have his per-game mark at number 31, which I think I could have gotten even more aggressive with that than I did. Um, you know, second half of last year, Kessler was number 19 on a per-game basis. 
He has that big body build that I love out of a big man in that he's not going to get knocked around. You don't have to worry about that type of stuff. He's not leaping high in the air, so you don't have to worry about that type of stuff. He's just stout, man. He's a stout player who does good things. You could even see a potential bump if his free throw percent gets any better than 48. I know historically he's not a good foul shooter, so I don't think that I would put my eggs in the basket of, oh, his free throw percentage is definitely going to get better, but it could because 48 was god-awful. And if I remember right, and I could probably dig into this, I think in college he was at like 58, 59. So even just getting back to that mark moves him up the board substantially and would cover any losses in blocks per game. Kessler was amazing. Um, He was very consistent over those last three months. If you shade it down to the last two months, he was still number 22. If you shade it down to the last month, I actually don't remember where he was. I think he was like 30-something. Um... Yeah, because he shot 41% at the line. I'm not worried about that. I think that number comes up a little bit. Uh, Walker Kessler is uh, a very good value at 53, and I want to keep moving this list along, so I'll stop yammering about it now. Jared Allen, right behind him at 54, is a value. Allen opened up earlier, remember, on Yahoo boards and then kept falling. He was not necessarily going to be on the old man squad list because last year he finished at number 33 per game. I have every reason to believe that he's going to be doing about the same stuff this year. I don't think the Cavs run too small. Uh, I think they like having that sort of two lines of defense between Mobley and Allen. But again, I wanted to cover the idea that maybe there's a little baby-sized drop-off. So I put his per-game mark this year at 36 instead of 33. Uh, I put his totals at 36 as well because we know he's dealing with some stuff to start the year. And last season, he got to about league average in games played. I still like Jared Allen. He's not my favorite of these center run guys, as you can see from the various rankings uh, on the board before you. But I do still think that he's uh, a small size win there. Um, How many names have we done here? Seven or eight? Uh, Every seven or eight names, I just want to take a quick moment to remind you guys of what we got going on. Please take a second here. Hit that thumbs up button. I'm going to nail you guys with that on this show. I'm going to remind you over and over and over again because this is the one that I really want to explode. I know we only got four days before the season starts, but I really want this show to do extraordinarily well. You guys know I put a lot of work into this one, a lot of energy, a lot of research, and I'm going to talk a lot, and I'm going to talk fast. So please take a second to hit the thumbs up button. There are like uh, 40-some-odd of you that have already joined in here. I know that number usually grows as we go. Those of you in the chat room, I can see you chatting. Hit the button. Subscribe to the YouTube page is also important, but just hit that thumbs up, man. Let's make this video really blow this one out of the building. Uh, And do find me on Twitter over at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Let's get back into it. Next name on the board is Tyrese Maxey, who, I mean, he doesn't fit the traditional old man squad board because I don't think that you'd call him boring. But the nice thing about Maxey is that he derives a lot of his value out of strong percentages uh, or certainly strong for a guard. 48 plus from the field, 85 at the free throw line and low turnovers. I get that he scores a lot, so maybe that takes him out of the boring zone, but I think James Harden's going to be gone soon. Maxey, towards the tail end of last year, was inside the top 40 per game. 
I think there's a very real chance he gets back to that mark this year. So I actually put him at 40 on my board because I wanted to try to go easy on my rankings. I didn't want to get too aggressive here. I have his totals at 34. I think he stays more upright this season. No one big injury to knock him out like last year. Um, I just think it's going to be a good season for Tyrese. Very different stat set than some of the guys that we talked about before him because we had, I think, five, four or five centers on the board already. But we get back into the guards here with Maxi. Uh, he's going at 58. I think he's got a really nice shot to beat that by a round, round and a half, maybe more if you got a little bit more aggressive. Jalen Williams at 63 is my next player on the board. He, much like Walker Kessler, was just an absolute behemoth the second half of last year, and maybe more so if you really just went down the stretch when he got aggressive in the Oklahoma City offense and started to take close to 13 shots a game. 18 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, 2 defensive stats combined. He made over a 3-pointer. He shot 55% from the field and 89 at the free throw line. I don't know that that 55% sticks for Williams, so I'm not going to say that he's going to be inside the top 20 like he was for the last 25 games last year, but I put him at 39, which is still a two-round jump over his uh, draft slot at 63. I put his totals pretty aggressive here at 21. I like his frame. I like the Jalen Williams body type to mostly play. Once he was out there, he mostly played. I think he missed like one game in the last two months, something like that. Uh, so if he keeps that pace up over the course of a year, you're looking for a really nice total season. I think there's a good shot Jalen Williams get up, gets up to about 73, 74 games this year, and that'll give him a pretty good-sized bump over his per game if you push him over onto the total side. I like Cam Johnson at 65. He's not one of my super jumpers, but I think he's boring as heck, which kind of fits the build here for the Dan Vespers old man squad. Cam was in the 50s last year, 55. I think he's got upside beyond that because he's, again, like Maxi, he gets you three pointers without damaging your percentages. Uh, where he has an advantage over Maxi is that he gets better steals. Where Maxi has the advantages, he's going to do more on offense. But for Cam Johnson... Full complement of minutes, he could get you 1.4 steals this year. Uh, full complement of shots, he could get you 16, 17, 18 points. Three three-pointers is within reach for him in a full season in Brooklyn. Um, I don't know why we need to get so hyper-aggressive with him to, to get him to the marks where I put him here. But he's going at 65. I got his per-game mark just inside the top 50 at 48. Uh, I'll go ahead and put his totals at 48 as well because he has been dinged up a tad. So let's get him to about 66-ish games, and uh, that'll give him about a round, round and a half here as well. A longtime member, and perhaps the biggest value we had on the Dan Vespers old man squad from last year, Brooke Lopez. He's going at 72. 72 people. I've got his per-game mark at 37, which is still way off the pace from last year. I don't care that Dame's in town. Um... I don't care that Middleton missed a ton of time last year because with Lopez, I don't care if he loses a shot or a shot and a half in this offense. His value was out of block shots. I still think he's going to get a bunch of those. Uh, with Lillard replacing Drew Holiday, if anything, the Bucks are going to have to funnel more to the interior defense because Holiday could keep people in front of him in a way that Lillard can't. So I'm not worried about Brooke. I know that you could say sort of contract year stuff, but it's not like he signed a long-term deal anyway. He's just a perfect fit for the type of things they do in Milwaukee. Even if they change the schemes around, I still think his blocks stay somewhere between 1.8 and 2.6 this year. 
um, peeling off from 22. Even if you dropped him back into the 40s, he's still a two-and-a-half to three-round jump per game. Also, aside from one season with a back issue, he's been very, very healthy after all the foot stuff in Brooklyn. So I'm not worried about that either. Let's keep moving along. We got a lot to cover on today's show. Tyus Jones at 77. Um, I could have probably put him in in the uh, games cap darling category, but I'm just not that worried about the end of the year. I think there's a chance that even if the Wizards shut things down partway through, Jones is a guy that might just play on and off despite that. But because I didn't want to get too aggressive, I went ahead and I put his per game and totals marks at 54, each of them. I just matched him up like I did with Jared Allen because I think his game's played number is relatively close to league average this season. Uh, I don't think he gets inside the top 50 per game. I think Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma are going to do too much. But Tyus Jones with 14-some-odd points I think is very well within reach, maybe even a little beyond that. Seven assists is within reach this year. Good steals numbers, good uh, free throw percent. He'll keep his turnovers low, so nice assist to turnover is a good way to get assists without damaging yourself in another spot. Uh, low 50s on both. Again, that's a two-round jump, so I like it a lot. Clay Thompson got bumped up from the 90s to the 80s on the latest Yahoo pre-rank board, uh, but I have his per-game mark at 50 this year. That was where he was the whole second half of last season, and I see almost no reason why that should change for this year. His total is 62. I see him taking some games off, but not that many. He's in prove-it mode. Um, so to that end, I, like, I don't know why he was going anywhere near as late as he was for as long as he was. There's still value with Clay at 50. Makes a little more sense for Roto because of possible games missed. Um, I think there's actually a chance that he really clicks it up and gets into the 40s per game this year, but I didn't want to plant my flag in that, frankly, because I don't think we had to. He's a value even if you don't go that high. So Clay Thompson doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Tobias Harris, former uh, logo of the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad and one of the faces on today's thumbnail on YouTube. Um, I'm not as excited. i pause briefly on this one. I'm not as excited about Tobias as I have been in the past. I just think that his role on that team is shrinking even without Harden. But we saw last year there were long stretches where he was a top 30, top 40 guy when Harden was out, when Maxi was out. He'll find his way to doing stuff. And in a Nick Nurse offense, there's just going to be more. He's durable. He's going to be that kind of guy that Nurse can play for 36, 37 minutes a night if he really wants to. And he might. And this is a chance for him to kind of show up and blow it out. So I went 60s. I think I actually put the wrong number there. I put 60 on the per-game side. I think I wanted to go mid-60s on that one, copying this over into Microsoft Word. By totals, I went pretty high, though. Totals at 43. He generally beats his per game on the total side because he is as durable as, he, as he's as he been for all these seasons, and I don't see that changing this season either. So uh, Tobias Harris, very boring, very safe play in the late 80s, and I'm on board with that one. Mitchell Robinson at 97 is one that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in my eyes. Um, I know that people are constantly afraid of his stuff, uh, uh, at least on the injury side. But even with it, I think we still have wiggle room there. Robinson was number 53 on a per-game side last year. I bumped him down to 61. 
just in case Isaiah Hartenstein does something more on that team. I put his totals at 71 because he has been banged up throughout his career. But even then, you're talking about three rounds of value on the per-game side over his rank slot, which is 97. Totals in the 70s, you're still talking two to two and a half rounds of value there. Um, he's just a guy, and centers have a way of, of rising up the board like this because they don't score a lot, so they get undervalued. But this is a point in a draft where you can take a guy who doesn't score that much. Robinson had nine and a half rebounds and almost two blocks a game last year. He also had a steal out of your center slot. And the word on the street, and I don't know that I believe it, but the word on the street is that he's working on his free throw stroke, which was awful last year at 48%. Again, like that is a big negative with him. If you just removed that, turned it into a smaller negative, like, uh, you know, he was like two standard deviations below what you'd need to get. If he just turns himself into freaking like 55%, that moves him up half to a full round on the board. So there's a way that actually he could even beat this mark. John Collins is a little bit of a swing here at 100. I'm putting him in the boring zone. I am uh, low to medium confidence. I almost left him off the old man squad board because I do think there's a, a better chance than some of these guys that this one fails. But I also like the opportunity. So Collins is... You know, for a lot of these guys on the old man squad, the story here is that I feel really good about consistency and just odds that they beat their number. Like, most of these guys, I look at them like, yeah, the odds of this guy beating their number is really, really high. For John Collins, it's a little bit more of a widespread where he could come out and he could roll top 40. Like, he could legitimately get there. He could also be an afterthought. So he's a little bit more of a swing, but you average all that out, and it puts your per game at 77, which is where I put him with a total rank of 72. I think the chip on the shoulder impact with Collins is going to be enough to get him there. Um, I think he's got a better shot than not of having a good fantasy season, and so that's why I left him on the boring part of this board instead of shuffling him over into one of the other subheadings, which you guys will hear about in just a few moments. Daniel Gafford is next on the board at 102. Uh, good news on Gafford this morning, by the way. I don't want to necessarily date this show, but he did get center eligibility on Yahoo. We knew that was going to happen. Um, I thought it might take a game or two into the season for Yahoo to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, this guy's their starting center, but they did it today. Great news for Gafford that we don't have to wait on that. Uh, I've got his per-game mark at 73. Um, he's always been a top 75 guy when he gets starters minutes. I think that's what you're looking at this year. There's upside beyond that. There's also this notion that he's always hurt, which is not true. He has little nagging things, but he plays through them. And he played in high 70s in games last season. Now, admittedly, the minutes load will be bigger. So that does increase the chance of some kind of injury creeping up on Gafford and, make, and being part of the mix. But I got his totals at 55. I think he's one of the really nice leapers at this part of the draft. Um a guy you should target if you don't get some of those centers I listed in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, then you want to make a move on someone like a Gafford because I think he's one of the surer bets at this part. Zach Collins, another center behind Gafford. He's ranked at 104 on Yahoo's board right now. I've got his per-game mark at 80, his totals at 82. I still don't fully trust the Spurs to unleash anyone this year. Um, Collins, there's going to be, as the season goes... 
Mm-hmm. I think you'll see his role shift little bits because they'll have Wembenyama playing a little bit of center here and there. Um, you'll see the Spurs, you know Popovich, he'll yank guys, he'll move lineups around. It's going to get weird at times, but he's a ball mover out of the big man spot, so they need him. They want him to push some people around because he also is kind of a giant human being. So I think he's got a really nice shot, at least for the first chunk of the year, to have a pretty solidified role. The fear there for me is that he sees like 26, 27 minutes, and they cap him out there and let Wembenyama roll against reserve big men, you know, smaller lineups. He gets the other center minutes. So um, that would sort of top out on Collins. But remember, down the stretch last year, he was a top 40 guy. He was getting usage then that I don't know that he's going to get this season. I think he's worth a swing. He likes both Collins, actually, here. John and Zach Collins are worth a swing at this part of the draft. Uh, Zach, I probably like more in terms of what are the chances he hits. John, I probably like more in terms of what is the chance that if it hits, it sticks. But I like both of those guys here as that maybe they're not even. I mean, Zach Collins, I guess, isn't all that boring. It's not fair for me to put him on the boring list. Um, But I like him. So I had to put him on some part of this damn board. And they went here. Uh, last name on page one, by the way. We're making progress here. Onyeka Okongwu, uh, who's number 106 on Yahoo. I have him taking just a half-round move forward on the per-game side, and here's why. I said I didn't want to spend more than a minute on anyone, but Okongwu might be the guy we spend a minute on. Last year, Okongwu was number 75 on a per-game basis. A lot of that was low turnovers, but a lot of it was also the fact that he's a big man that didn't hurt your free throw percent. He's not the unicorn stock, because he ain't hitting three-pointers. He's more of the rebounding, shot-blocking, field goal percent kind of big, but he did it without hurting your free throw numbers. That's a big deal for him. He played 80 games, so by totals, he was an absolute monster last year. But it's also worth pointing out that Clint Capella, who's not on this board... By the way, he almost made the Dan Vesper's old man squad. He's sort of like an honorable mention was number 41 per game in 27 minutes a night and missed 17 games. Those 17 games, Okongwu was a top 40 guy. He was amazing. But we have to remember that that's built into the 75 final rank from last year. When Capella was healthy, Okongwu was more like a top 100 guy. So you kind of have to come into this season assuming that Okongwu is going to be a top 100 range center when Clint Capella is healthy and has a shot to be top 50, top 40, even top 30 sometimes when Capella misses ball games, We don't know how many of those are, that are going to be. Clint has historically missed between 10 and 20 games per year. He did have that, I think he had one or two seasons in there where he only missed about 10 games. But mostly he's been in the mid to high 60s throughout his career, Houston, Atlanta, whatever. So, yeah. You bake that all in on the Okongru per game number, which I have at 70. I've also baked in that maybe the minute split is more like 26-22 this year instead of 27-21, but it's little stuff. Now, the reason to really love Okongwu in this part of a draft is if anything bigger happens to Capella beyond just the usual... Clint's got a sore knee. Clint's got a sore back. He's got to sit out a week in December. He's got to sit out a week in February, blah, blah, blah. If anything larger besets Capella, that's how Okongwu can really rocket boost himself up the board. Again, I love the durability. I think he's a big winner in this zone, so I kind of like him either way. But just remember, if you're drafting Okongwu, don't expect a lava hot start to the year. 
He makes his mark when things happen to Capella and on days where, and blowouts actually are good for him. But just keep that in the back of your mind. Before we go to page two, this is once again my mid-show reminder. A bunch of you have joined in since the last time I did it about 15 minutes ago. Please, please hit the thumbs up button. Do it for me and my dumb toe thumb, everybody. Hit the thumbs up button on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on traditional podcast channels. It is a big, big deal. Big, big deal. And also, find me over on social media at Dan Bespris. That is also a really big deal once the season starts. I know I'm just sort of waxing about random crap during draft season, uh, but I am going to put some of my lists over there. Old Man Squad, I'll get over on Twitter so you can have a printout of that. Uh, we'll get the sleepers over on Twitter. I think I did the busts already, but we had the perfect, my favorite pick from each round. All these things I'm going to get up probably on Monday. But then once the season starts, that's where social really kicks into high gear. Um, so I need you guys checking it out over there. And also, I know, guys, you guys don't like promo, but I got to do it. We got to move. We got to move units. Manscaped.com is our proud sponsor here on Fantasy NBA Today. Check them out over at Manscaped.com. Get yourself a handyman. Five, no, 5.0? No, just the handyman. Here, let me buzz it into the mic. There you go. We're shaving right on air. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do my cheek right here on air. There we go. You guys watching me shave on YouTube? Is that weird? Yeah, that's terrible video. Oh, there we go. Yeah, no pinching, no nothing. Feels so good. Ethos20 is your promo code over at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping. That's the first time I've shaved on air. Ethos20 for 20% off and, uh, and free shipping. That was a strange segment, wasn't it? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Turning the page to page two, you guys get to see all the other names if you're watching live. If you're listening, you still get the element of surprise. DeAnthony Melton. There's three names left on the boring board. You guys knew this one. I've talked about him a thousand times running up to the season. That doesn't make him my favorite play. But it does, in my eyes, make him one of the easier choices. Melton last year, just 10 points, 4 boards, 2.5 assists, 1.6 steals. He does his damage with steals. Uh, He does his damage with some threes. He does his damage by being actually a pretty good rebounding point guard size player, getting you 4 of those a ball game uh, in 28 minutes a night. There's a chance with Harden moved that he actually does get to take a little bit of a step forward. I have his per game at 83. I wanted to be pretty chill about it. I have his totals at 61. I like what's going to happen for him in Philadelphia if or when Harden is gone. Uh, Again, upside beyond that. 
That's the beauty of it. There is upside beyond it if everything works out for Melton. And we can't assume that's going to be the case, but we can hope. And that's why you get a guy like that where the floor is really nice and the upside has a chance to kick in. I put Mike Conley on this list, but he's barely on this list because in my eyes, his per game mark is right around the edge of the top 100, which in a lot of formats doesn't play. But in a lot of formats, it does because I really like his boat captaining role in Minnesota. He's exactly what that team needed. I, In my eyes, he's the reason that team made a really good run down the stretch, not because of any improved play from Anthony Edwards or getting cap back or whatever. It was Conley. That was one of those weird trades where everybody got better and then everyone else in the league got pissed about it because the Wolves moved Russell, who's more of a score-first guard. He can pass. Don't get me wrong. D'Lo can pass, but he's more of a scoring point guard. For Conley, who's more of a passing point guard on a team that has Cat and Anthony Edwards and a rolling Rudy Gobert, who's not an offensive force, but needs a guy that's going to get him the ball in the right spot. Conley fits that better. He makes the team better. Lakers needed someone to take the pressure off of LeBron and AD, and D'Lo can go get his own shot. Utah needed to tank. They needed to get rid of Mike Conley. They got more picks. Everybody wins. Anyway, Conley, I've got him at 97 on a per-game basis. I think he's just going to quietly float along with about 13, 14 points and about six and a half, seven assists a night. Not going to do a whole lot else. Steels haven't been there as much in his older years in the NBA, so maybe you know 1.1, something like that. Good free throw percent, not good field goal for him. Turnovers he'll keep relatively low, so it'll be good for that getting assists without blowing up your turnovers stuff. Uh, but I just think that like we talk so much about how you got to make a run on assists at the beginning of your draft, and I don't know that that's necessarily true because not only is Mike Conley floating out there, but you could even take a shot that Kyle Lowry stays upright for two months. He's not on the old man squad board because I think he ends up playing like 45 games again this year, and I simply can't put him out there. But for a guy who's getting drafted like 160 or whatever, Lowry's a great per-game fill-in because he'll probably be like Conley around the edge of the top 100 until his body falls apart. And it will. By the way, Conley is uh, pre-ranked at 115. At 119, the final name on the uh, boring old man squad board is Josh Hart, who I went back and forth on about 50 times this run-up to the season. Will Dante DiVincenzo ruin Josh Hart this year? And I think the answer is no. Because I believe that Hart, who they signed to a nice extension, they paid him. Um, Josh Hart's a wine connoisseur. Did you guys know that? I thought that was an interesting little footnote on him. I just think he's super happy there. Um, he's good friends with his teammates, dating all the way back to their days as teenagers basically and so and thinking about how the team performed late last season they were just better when he was logging bigger minutes and when he played 30 minutes with the Knicks last season he had put up top 60 numbers 10 points seven boards from a shooting guard three and a half assists 1.4 steals half a block he hit a three-pointer he's got his confidence back Shot 59% from the field, which probably doesn't stick long-term. But 79 at the free-throw line is fine. Turnovers were relatively low. I just love the out-of-position rebounding from Hart. It makes my heart all a flutter. So I put him in there with a per-game mark at 79. I think he manages to stay inside the top 100. 
he's a guy like Patrick Beverly that rebounds so hard from the guard spot that he plays himself into injury. So I got his totals down at 91. But again, at 120, basically, which is where Melton was, Yahoo moved him up 11 spots in their last board. At 120 for Hart, I think it's a pretty safe play here and a guy that in my eyes is just going a little bit too low. A reminder again here, before we get to the totals, monsters, the game's cap darlings, and my single not-so-boring swing, this is not the deep sleepers list. If you're looking for me to like get into the weeds on someone like a Paul Reed or an Azar Thompson, this is not the show for that. Those are not old man squad guys. Those are guys that you're... Uh, those are for sort of deep sleepers. I think we had a sleeper show. These are guys that we've talked about with the other analysts on our mock draft review over the last couple of weeks. This is not that. The old man squad, and I feel like I need to repeat this because we're 40 minutes in and a lot of people have joined up since the first few minutes of the show. The old man squad, this particular part of it, which was like 20 some odd names deep, I think, these are guys where I have a lot of confidence that they will beat their per game ADP mark or pre-rank mark and totals. Guys like the like the Thompson twins or Thompson brothers yeah the brothers sorry uh these guys probably have issues with percentages start slow finish strong stuff like that this is not that list this is not the big swing like obi toppin list this is not the Derek livelies this is this list is not the guys that have the 10 15 percent chance of hitting but really maybe it locks in those are the guys you're taking at, you know, 125 or deeper. These are the guys before that. Typically, 120 or earlier on the old man squad, where I think they are just going too low. So that list that we just completed were the guys that I felt beat their ADP or pre-rank, both per game and totals. The next parts of this list are a little more caveat-ish. We'll do the totals monsters first. These are the guys that might beat their pre-rank on a per-game side, but I feel almost definitely will beat it by totals and by enough where it's worth spending on that draft pick. Two of them are actually in the second round. One of them is Mikael Bridges, who I think actually loses to his pre-rank on the per-game side. He's pre-ranked 19. I don't think his, his per-game number beats that. I know everybody's like, oh, but he scores a ton in Brooklyn now. Yeah, but his efficiency suffered. Bridges was number 31 over the entirety of last season. It didn't really change when he was in Brooklyn. He was number 25 per game while taking 19 shots a night. He averaged 26 points, four and a half boards, almost three assists, two and a half three-pointers. But his steals and blocks came down a little bit. His field goal percent came down a little bit. Love the free throw number. Getting the line is great, but efficiency crept in, and that changed his target number. Still, he is, and I know that we talk about, like, yeah, obviously anything can happen. Guys can get hurt. His workload is going to be bigger. He is the most durable player in the NBA right now. And yes, you know, guys are like that until they're not. Carl Anthony Towns played in every game for, like, three seasons in a row, and then he's been hurt for, like, three of the last four years. That could happen to Bridges as well. His body type isn't the same as Towns. He hasn't been run into the ground by Tom Thibodeau. Um, I think the minutes for Bridges were still only at about 34, even once he got to Brooklyn last year. So I've got his totals rank in the first round at nine. 
I think he just, I, you know, 78, 79, 80 games when you're putting up late second round per game gets you into the first by totals. And a good example of that is Bridges from last year, who was number 31 per game, but was number six by totals. Vooch was actually another one. He's coming up in a minute on this list. He's the fourth name on the totals monsters part of this board. Second totals monster is Desmond Bain. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, Bain was hurt a bunch last year. Yeah, but it was one big one. It was one key injury that knocked him out for, sadly, a whole bunch of time. Or I think he would have had a monster season. He played 58 games, but he missed something like, what, 18, 19, 20 of those all in one chunk? The guys that I'm worried about on injury stuff are the guys that constantly miss one game every week, every two weeks, that type of stuff. That adds up. The Danilo Gallinari's, who are always dealing with hamstring. I know he's been out for a year with a catastrophic deal, but that type. Honestly, Jared Allen's a little bit that type. He's always missing a game here and there with something. Jimmy Butler is that type. That is, in my eyes, the one where you're like, okay, I can handicap these missed ball games. With Bain, it was one big thing. Last year, he was number 25 before he got hurt. And this year, he's got a third of a season where he's the number one guy on the team. He's going to post absurd numbers. I've got his per-game mark for the season at 24. I think once Jock comes back, he's more like a late 20s, early 30s guy. But you average that out, and it puts him in the early 20s per game. I think he stays healthy most of this year. I've got his totals mark at 12. So again, per game mark, slightly behind where he's getting drafted at 21. Totals, I think he smashes it. DeMar DeRozan is the next player on the list. I think uh, he's at number 44, by the way. I do think DeMar takes a little bit of a step backwards this year. The Bulls want more Kobe White. Uh, so DeMar taking 18 shots and 7 free throws is, feels a little bit of a stretch. But I don't even care if he takes a small step back. Uh, he was number 28. You could even bump him down by a full round if you wanted to, and he still beats that 44 mark. I bumped him down only by a little bit because I still think he's DeMar at the end of the day. Per game at 30, great health. I've got him at 20 by totals. Last year he was 28 per game, and last year he was 18 by totals. So I basically just bumped him down two slots. Yes, I think there's a little bit of an erosion. You could even argue that there's more erosion and I still think he bashes that number 44 number because he's a guy who plays. Historically, he plays, and he'll play again this year. One of the other faces on the YouTube thumbnail, you knew he was coming, is Vooch, Nico, staying in Chicago, two guys in a row here. Uh, Vooch does likely see his role shrink as well, much the way that we just talked about with DeMar, because you've got Levine, You've got DeRozan. You've got more Kobe White. Uh, but Vooch is a pillar of consistency. He's a pillar of efficiency. I don't need him getting 14 shots a game. He can do just fine with 12, 12 and a half. And I think that's probably what he gets because he's going to rebound 10, 11 rebounds a game. He's a good passing big man. He got you three plus assists last year. Blocks and steals could actually tick back up a little. Last season, they were a bit lower than usual. Turnovers are low. He plays, and he plays, and he plays. Per game mark, I've got him dropping by a round from last year. Um, Vooch was at 26 last season. I've got him at 38 this year. 
I've also got his totals, Mark, dropping by a round. By totals, he was number five last season. Five! I've got him in the teens this year. That still destroys 57. 57 is his pre-rank on Yahoo right now. <laughs> Even... I'll, I'll throw I, I would throw him out there because Josh and I argued about Vooch on one of uh, one of his shows, and even he pointed out on Twitter when I last night I was like, "What in the world? Vooch is at 57." Josh was like, "Even I think that's too low." So this is like, if Vooch is not the gimme, the tapping of the fantasy season at 57, I really don't know who is. Really big crowd here coming in and watching this one live. I'm very grateful, by the way, and I will do the quickie. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, please hit the thumbs up button. Let's make a difference here. Let's make this show our biggest ever. And you can do that biggest non-trade deadline show ever. And you can do that by subscribing uh, on traditional pod channels, subscribing on YouTube, and hitting that thumbs up button. Let's keep cooking. We're almost at the end of the board. I knew this was going to be an hour, but I had weird fleeting hopes of doing it in 45 minutes. Austin Reeves is a totals monster in my eye because I actually don't think that his per-game value beats his rank by all that much. He's ranked at 98 on Yahoo. Uh, I think his per-game mark is in the 80s, which is fine. It's not that different from 98. You know, that's two or three good games versus two or three bad games. It really doesn't change much over the entire year. But I also like his makeup. He's just tough, man. He plays. I think he's going to play through stuff this year. I think the Lakers know they need him out there. So I've got his totals rank at 67, which is a three-round jump. Uh, and that's more than enough to get him there. I didn't put him on the boring side because I don't know that his per-game mark really beats it. Like, he could finish at 100, which would technically be losing to his pre-rank. I just don't see that many universes in the multiverse here of fantasy basketball. I don't see many of them where he doesn't get inside the top 70 on the total side. So that's why I put him on this side. And the last name on the totals board is actually the lowest-ranked player of anybody on the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad on Yahoo, and that's Bruce Brown at number 126 because he is the definition of boring. Bruce Brown last year finished at 121 on a per-game basis for the Denver Nuggets, which I realize is not really a value for you in fantasy. But he was doing it off the bench in 28 and change minutes per ball game in a very much non-featuring role. He signed a contract in Indiana to go get a little more role. So I think his shots go from nine up into double digits. I think his minutes go from 28 and change into the low 30s. And I think you push that stuff together. And he goes from 11 and a half points to say 13. The threes go from 1.1 to 1.3. The rebounds go from 4.1 to 4.5. The assists get up near four. The steals and blocks, maybe each of them goes up by a tenth of a point. And suddenly, that's a guy who's inside the top 100 because it's so fast to move from 120 to 100. You don't have to change very much. So I've got Bruce Brown in the 90s. I put him at 91 here, which maybe is a little bit aggressive, but whatever. And I think he's going to play a bunch of games. So I've got his totals rank at 77, which honestly is probably not aggressive enough Looking at last year, uh, he was number 74 by totals with a per-game mark in the 120 range. So I probably should have put his totals in the 60s, honestly. Uh, is he boring? Hell yeah. Is he going to get you some nice totals? Absolutely. 
Is he the kind of guy you take in the 11th round when you've taken some shots early and you want to make sure that your team has an 11th player that you can plug in and not worry about it if everybody else has fallen on their faces? He's absolutely that guy. Many of you are thinking there are some names that I know Dan is going to say today. Why the hell haven't I heard them yet? And the answer is because they make up the Games Cap Darlings portion of the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad. The Games Cap Darlings, for those that are uninitiated, are the players who are likely going to be hurt at some point this year, take games off, rest days, injured days, old as dirt, you name it. They're not great for head-to-head. They're head-to-head aches. Headaches-to-head aches. I think I may have coined a term there, head-to-head aches. But they make so much sense in games cap formats because their per-game mark is going to be so far out in front of where they're getting drafted that it doesn't even matter that they're going to miss a ton of ball games. And the first one is the most obvious name, and I could have put his face in the thumbnail too, and that's Kawhi Leonard, who's getting drafted at 22 We know that healthy, upright Kawhi is a first-rounder per game. We know that Kawhi, if they don't add James Harden, is a mid-first-rounder per game. Because, like, we don't even need a reminder. Over the final three months last year, basically the second half of the season, Kawhi Leonard was number four in all of fantasy basketball. And he didn't miss that many ballgames, by the way. Not that that's the thing we're thinking about here. He was actually number two by totals. Over the last three months last season, number four by averages, 27 points, seven boards, four assists, 1.6 steals, 0.7 blocks, two and a half threes on 53 and 90 splits. He's an early first rounder when he's putting up those numbers. Is he going to get hurt? Of course he's going to get hurt. Does it matter if you're in a games cap format? Of course not. Kawhi Leonard is a, a wonderful late second rounder. In roto formats, he is a roto monster. He has, at many times in his career, been the only player in the NBA to be a positive impact fantasy player in all nine categories. Do you know how hard that is? And not just barely, either. In fact, the numbers that I just read to you guys make him, over the last three months last year, he was a positive contributor in all nine, including turnovers. How do you do that when you're one of the feature guys? Kawhi does it. He's the actual unicorn of the NBA. Unicorns are bad in assists and uh, sometimes steals they're low and sometimes points they're low. The real unicorn is Kawhi. That son of a gun, when he's healthy, he's a positive contributor in everything. That's crazy. Anyway, I've got his per-game mark at 7. I've got his totals at 19, so I actually think he does beat his his rank slot, I mean, on the total side. But even if it doesn't, Games Cap Roto, you don't care. Christoph Porzingis at 42 is the next name on the Games Cap Darling. I've got his per-game taking a hit by about, uh, not quite a round. Uh, he was on the turn last year. I've got him dropping to about 20. I wrote it down at uh, 19 here on the board. Totals rank of 37. I don't think he plays in... I don't think he gets to 65 games this year with Boston. But I don't think he needs to. That's the difference. They'll give him days off. Because the Celtics are going to put up a big, big number in the wins column this season. They've got Drew Holiday as well. There's no reason to push Porzingis. They'll want him upright for the playoffs. So he probably plays in about 62 games. 
Uh, that drops him, in my eyes, into the 30s by totals. But again, I don't care because his per-game mark is going to be such a, a jump over his rank slot, especially this early on, that you kind of have to on the Roto side. The third oldest man in the NBA gets the next slot here, and that's Chris Paul, who's being drafted at 69 on Yahoo. I've got his per-game mark at 47, and I can actually see it going higher depending on how the Warriors deploy him. That's a two-round jump. By totals, I probably finishes pretty darn close to where he's getting picked. I put his totals mark at 65. I think the Warriors could do a good job of keeping him healthy by not running him into the ground. You know, 32, 33 minutes a night is probably a, a thing of the past. But 29, 30, where he's running the second unit, he's getting the ball to two of the best shooters of all time. That's a good spot to be if you're one of the best passers of all time. He'll get the steals. I hope that his field goal percent does come back a little bit. I don't need to I know that we have to get it there, but if it does, that's the upside for him on the per-game side. That's how he gets back inside the top 40. And then you're talking about a possible three-round jump, which is pretty sweet. Um, yes, he's going to miss games, but he's a games cap darling. And Jeremy Grant is the last one. Uh, I know everybody's worried about the Wizards. I think the Blazers are your bigger fear for shutdowns because Grant is older. The guys on the Wizards... Maybe not Kuzma, but like Jordan Poole, he's still trying to prove himself. He's not going to want to go full shutdown. Tyus Jones, this is his sort of chance to prove himself. Jeremy Grant has been doing this for three years in a row. I'm going to go play for a bad team, and whenever they tell me to take a rest, cheers, I'll take a rest. But as long as I'm up there, I'm going to beat my rank slot by a bunch. Uh, Jeremy Grant last year when Damian Lillard was out was a top 40 play. I've got him at 53 because I do think that Scoot and Brogdon and whatever, those guys will take a little bit from him. But he's got such a well-rounded game. Scores, threes, doesn't rebound all that much. He'll get a few uh, steals and blocks and percentages. There's just a lot to like about there. But he's probably going to take the last month off. So by totals, I've got him behind his rank slot at 83. Uh, per game, I've got him beating it by about 20. And finally, I've got to pick one. Every year I pick one buzzy guy for the old man squad that I don't think is buzzy enough, which is crazy because this dude is so damn buzzy, and it's Chet Holmgren. And it's mostly because, by the way, a lot of people pronounce his name wrong, which I think is so funny because you've got these guys like Kulabali, who I can barely pronounce. Holmgren, the M is in the middle. The N is at the end. Screw up the hard ones, people. Anyway, because uh, I'm going to screw up the hard ones until I hear their names on a broadcast I'm watching on NBA uh, League Pass. Um, I think Holmgren, who's getting drafted at 51, because he is the unicorn-style player, his floor is insanely high. It's just very hard for a player of that fantasy makeup to not post fantasy value the other guys like Holmgren and we'll spend you know an extra one minute on him because we're basically at the hour mark here the other guys like Holmgren who have the same fantasy build are JJJ Kristaps Porzingis who's going to score more honestly but like so is JJJ but let's be reasonable here we're just talking about the makeup Miles Turner Brooke Lopez these are the guys who score some maybe not a ton Rebound some, maybe not a ton. I think Holmgren might be a better rebounder than some of those guys. Don't need to pass. They don't. 
It's not in their makeup. But they'll get you somewhere near a steal, maybe a little bit less, two-plus blocks, and good percentages, both field goal and free throw. There just aren't guys like that who are ranked outside of the top 60. All of the centers that have that type of statistical makeup, the two blocks per game potential and good percentages, the lowest ranked one basically was Brooke Lopez last year, I think. And he was what, 22? Like, it's damn near impossible for these guys to screw up fantasy rank value when you're good in both percentages and blocks and could even step out and hit a three. But I don't even care. Maybe Chet doesn't hit a three. Maybe his field goal percent stays better. They just don't exist. Guys like that who don't have the obvious big anchor weight category outside of that top 50 range. So I've got Chet actually at 35 per game, 40 by totals because I think his body's going to take a little bit of a hurt, a hurt this year. But it was kind of nice that he had a full season to fill out a little. And you saw him actually absorbing some contact even during preseason games. So uh, that's my single not-so-boring swing. I don't know how many home grins I'm going to get on my fantasy team because I think other people are going to be reaching for him. But if he really goes near 51 where he's ranked on Yahoo, I would do it. And for early five. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your Dan Vespers Old Man Squad. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. A reminder on the way out, there are a lot of you watching and not that many of you have hit the thumbs up button. Please just take a second to scroll down and click it. I think only like 23 of you have hit it. And there have been over 300 people that have come in and out of the show already and we're not even done please hit the thumbs up button, like, subscribe, whatever format you guys are listening to this thing in. I hope you guys enjoyed it. The Dan Vespers Old Man Squad for 2023 is officially into the universe. From thank you to Yahoo for doing one last board rearrangement, so I had to rearrange all of my numbers. This is it. We'll get it out on social media uh, over the weekend or first thing next week. I hope you guys will find me over there at Dan Vespers. Please do check out Sports Ethos. If you guys have a couple of shekels to spare, get an Ethos Premium plan. That's what helps keep the website going. That's what helps allow me to keep rumbling along. That's at sportsethos.com. They are also Ethos Fantasy BK, the news feed over on Twitter. Give them a follow as well. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Draft season nearly upon us. We still got big stuff coming up, but this was the whopper of our run-up to the season. If you're curious, we'll be talking to Matt Smith tomorrow, Saturday. That'll be another draft recap show. Uh, Sunday, I'm going to try to get a mock draft. No, a real draft recap going because I got real drafts. Two of them tomorrow, two of them Sunday, two of them on Monday. We got real draft shows coming up. Uh, and we'll also have some uh, last kind of get ready for the season stuff coming up first thing next week. Dan Vespers, I'm out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.